Welcome to episode three of Bullshift. I'm Megan, and I'm glad you're here. In our last episode, I talked about the five pillars of life transitions. In this episode, I'll give you the inside scoop, three secrets to navigating midlife transitions. Let's get started. Welcome to Bullshift, the podcast for every person aged 35 to 55 who wonders, is this as good as life gets? Bullshift teaches you how to apply coaching psychology, early midlife insights, and the art and science of a meaningful life to transform this life phase into a period of creativity and growth. We spend nearly half our adult lives in some type of transition. This show is about making all that time more satisfying. My name is Megan Krause, and as a nationally board-certified well-being coach, a modern midlife maven, and the chief bullshifter, I'm delighted you're here. Hey, did you know that dip in satisfaction you might be feeling right now, especially if you're in your 30s, 40s, or 50s, happens for most everyone. Even great apes? Yeah. Researchers call it the happiness U-curve. But here's the good news. It doesn't mean you're having a crisis. I know it might seem like a crisis because we're so used to hearing about red sports cars and younger lovers. Yet a midlife crisis happens for just 10% of us. 10%. While the midlife crisis is overstated, our satisfaction really is at an all-time low in our mid-40s give or take a few years. Yeah, your midlife malaise is the real deal. And on average, it'll last four to five years. But today, I'm going to share three secrets with you that are going to change the way you think about navigating your midlife transition, whether you're 35 or 65 or somewhere in between. So ready to get out of your own way? Uh, Spoiler, you are. There are two generally accepted ideas about midlife. First, that midlife marks the onset of decline. Second, that the only mature way to deal with aging is to acknowledge and accept your growing limitations. But here's the real story. Midlife is exciting because it's a time when we have the opportunity to re-examine even our most basic assumptions. Don't get me wrong, I'm in no way trying to downplay the objective problems that, you know, arise with midlife. Sure, people at midlife face more physical limitations. Health tends to become a pervasive concern. And as a physician once told us, if you're 50 and nothing hurts, you're (laughs) most likely dead. Particularly in the U.S., which doesn't offer universal health insurance, a major illness can lead to financial catastrophe. There's also evidence that stresses involving multiple role demands or financial pressures may cluster in midlife or take a greater toll. Although job loss or divorce, for example, can occur during other age periods, those in midlife may experience greater stress due to age discrimination by employers or more limited opportunities for remarriage. Now add to this the fact that the cultural atmosphere makes it increasingly difficult for people in advanced careers to find jobs. 
considering all this, it's not surprising that many middle-aged people experience enormous anxiety. My point is that while those problems have become the focus of endless discussion, the advantages that many people gain in midlife have hardly been mentioned. By this age, most of us have gone through protracted crises that maybe seemed insurmountable at the time, but through these crises, we've discovered our strengths. And one strength that tends to increase with age is the ability to put emerging problems into perspective, which helps us deal with the issues at hand much more calmly and with much greater self-assurance. Midlife can also be a peak time in so many areas, including earnings, the position at work, leadership, decision-making abilities, self-confidence, and contributions to the community. I'm a midlife transition coach and educator who has helped midlifers just like you move cross-country for a dream job, publish a nationally best-selling book, and so much more. But they're not always big, sweeping, grand changes. Some just want to feel capable of navigating the transitions of life more smoothly instead of chasing that proverbial gold star. If you're here, you might be wondering if this is as good as life gets. Maybe you're afraid the best years are behind you or fearing what the future holds. Maybe you're feeling a growing disconnect between your 30-something self-image and 40-something reality. Maybe you're no longer wanting to live the afternoon of life carrying the dirt of life's morning. Maybe you're self-critical because aren't you supposed to have stuff figured out by now? Maybe you just need a guide to help map out your new landscape. What's the key to creating your unconditional satisfaction? It's learning to always have your own back, no matter how many hurdles you face. And you can do this by using a proven midlife mindset method to successfully navigate your life transitions, however big or small they may be. So check out my Bullshift Self-Coaching Method at shop.megancrousey.com. It's a $27 starter course, and frankly, it's midlife satisfaction at a steal. I'm now going to share with you three secrets about navigating life transitions and how you can feel more satisfied with your life, no matter your obstacles. The first secret is that while the happiness U-curve or that mid-40s funk is real, we're going to experience life disruptions every one to two years. And for every 10 of them, one will likely be a major event. On average, these major events last four to five years. This isn't a secret, of course, if you listened to my previous episode. But the big idea here is that because you live a nonlinear life, you're going to face a lot of life transitions, both big and small, and you're going to face them throughout your life. Typical expectations used to be that you'll have one career, one relationship, one home, one sexuality, one identity from adolescence to assisted living, but these expectations are frankly more out of sync with modern life than your date's hips dancing to rump shaker at your first middle school dance. Modern life is no longer a straight line, and this nonlinear life has profound consequences for decisions you make every single day. The biggest of those consequences is that for all the benefits of living a nonlinear life, things like personal freedom, 
self-expression, living on your own terms. For all these benefits, it asks you to navigate an almost overwhelming array of life transitions. So you really need some skills to navigate them. And this is important because you're going to spend nearly half your life in some sort of disruption. Let me say that again. You are going to spend nearly half of your midlife in transition, whether it's a smaller disruption or a bigger life quake. The second secret is that we listen more than we talk when the real gold is in talking to ourselves more than we listen to ourselves. Too often our lives sound like a voiceover in a movie instead of a dialogue with ourselves. We're focused on powerless questions from a place of dysfunction and self-blame, which sound like, oh, why can't I just move on? Or, gosh, why can't I find a partner? We need to ask ourselves powerful questions from a place of curiosity. Questions like, what's one thing I could do to move forward? Or, in what ways would I be a good partner for someone? And the big idea here is that while you tend to live in thought instead of action, clarity comes from engagement, not thought. When you're unclear about the courses and contours of midlife or about what makes you come alive, you bend to false narratives that block your contentment. Often, your slump isn't justified by your objective circumstances because many of us have more economic and social power than ever. So you make an attribution error, thinking your dissatisfaction is the result of some sort of character defect. Oh, I suck, is why. When we're unhappy, despite an outwardly comfortable life, we feel a certain shame. Ugh, I have everything I need and then some, yet I'm still dissatisfied. What is wrong with me? We hide the shame by withdrawing and shutting down because exposing it to others means diminishing our status. In effect, we hide when we most need to share. We then languish as we wait it out by staying in dissatisfying jobs, relationships, and more. And I'm sure this pain feels a little familiar. Well, here's why this is important. Clarity is power. You get curious about midlife malaise and begin to recognize midlife more as a period of growth and renewal, which makes it more exhilarating, of course, and less terrifying. You distinguish between the natural vicissitudes of midlife and the caricature of a crisis. And in this way, you're clear about what's yours to work on, you know? You turn your vague desires into a clear vision for exactly what you want to kickstart living a more satisfying midlife on your terms. And I mean, that's the main point, isn't it? The third secret is that life transitions are a skill we can and must master. Most of us haven't had training in how to figure out or create what we really want. I mean, none of us were given an owner's manual at birth, you know what I mean? We haven't been taught how to think a thought purposefully, how to feel and process emotions, how to rewire our brains. We mistakenly think we're rational, but our brains are designed to scare us, generating doubt and confusion. This isn't intentional, of course. Our brains just want to keep us alive. The big idea here is that because you're not taught the skills of mastering midlife, you revert to your subconscious patterns. In fact, just 5% of the roughly 
60,000 thoughts you have each day are new and creative. You decide you're too busy or distressed to pursue your dreams and grow, and I get it. Sometimes just getting through the day is hard enough. Or you seek immediate pleasure, overdrink, overspend, overwork, overeat, over Facebook, or avoid pain, which keeps you from moving forward with creating and contributing. Or you expend minimal effort, which sure creates you know, a false sense of comfort that might seem safe, but it's basically just surviving. You attempt making changes through an outside-in approach. You try to change behavior, like buying that step-tracking Apple Watch. You try to learn new information, even though we are, frankly, up to our eyeballs in information. You try to focus on a little more, a little better, a little different. You think your satisfaction is somehow tethered to your objective material circumstances. You create your identity and then you start creating stories about your identity. And these stories reinforce your beliefs, behaviors, and environment. This is key because we make meaning from past events in our lives, then apply those outcomes to our current situation. Thus, bringing our past to the future with no possibility to create something new. But in every single moment of every single day, you have the opportunity to choose how you wish to be in the world. This means it's possible to change in an instant. Your ways of being are a choice. That's right. Even your personality isn't fixed. You can change certain traits. Anything you have, you've chosen, either unconsciously or consciously. And when you unconsciously choose, you're basically reacting and operating on unconscious automatic. Remember the 95% of your day I mentioned earlier? When you consciously choose, you're actively making a choice among options. Now, I get it. It may seem like semantics, but the outcomes that each creates are worlds apart. When something goes wrong, we often react in the moment instead of choosing. We operate from default based on our unconscious. But reactions aren't creative. They're created by limiting belief and happen automatically. When we choose in the moment, though, we're deciding to create instead of using old patterns. It's now time for a segment I like to call What I Learned About, where I share stories from my own life that can offer perspective about the topic at hand. And today, I'll share what I learned about consciously choosing in the moment instead of using old patterns with that guy who goes to me on Bumble. Highly relatable content here, friends, am I right? First, a disclaimer. I could talk to a wall. In fact, I probably have. But on this particular day, I started eating my lunch silently and by myself instead of chatting up nearby patrons. Why, you ask? Well, because the only person's Sitting in my proximity at the start of my meal were a seven-year-old girl and her father, whom I immediately recognized as a guy who'd ghosted me on Bumble a few months back. When I first sat down, I greeted them with a friendly hello and smile. Then I got to minding my business, choosing to watch Fast Pitch on the big screen above the bar. After I finished signing my check, the dad asked me if I'm a lefty. I knew what's up. Chad, not his real name, was trying to make conversation. So I played along with a polite but brief yes. 
He nudged his daughter, who is also lefty, and she and I and the left-handed bartender all fist-bumped each other. Chad then followed up with more conversation. About what? I can't exactly recall, but he, I remember him being a great conversationalist. Go Chad. The daughter then got annoyed by our loud conversation. We were a few chairs away and she was sitting between us, so I understand. So Chad took the opportunity to move to the other side. Okay, Chad, moving in closer. Good for you. Eventually, he got around to asking me my name. And I didn't even finish saying Megan before he bemusedly said, have we met? I said, yes, online. And I said this sort of without amusement. And he said, when did you recognize me? Right when I sat down. Why didn't you say anything? For two reasons. First, I didn't want to interrupt your time with your daughter. Second, you ghosted me on Bumble. So I was straight-faced, just letting him know the facts. And he felt a little embarrassed and he said, really? Yeah. Sheepishly, of course, he apologized and said he had good reason for it. I mean, I wasn't there to make him feel badly, but I wasn't going to let him off the hook either. But I appreciated he could be self-reflective in this moment. So we continued the conversation, talking about everything from sports and music to psychology and the political economy of the media system. And before he left, he asked for my number. So I obliged. After he left, the bartender was totally thirsty for the scoop. He promptly asked me if he really just got my number, and I confirmed that indeed I did give out my number, and then I clarified the circumstances of our previous online meeting. Just then, the lady who had sat down next to me and was working on her laptop kind of perked up. She, she wanted the full story, and <laughs> she burst into laughter when I told her about my gently calling him out on ghosting me. I then proceeded to entertain her and a few other patrons with a couple other dating stories, and the bar was full of laughter. And when I got to my car, Mr. Bumble had texted me to ask me on a date. So that's the story of a woman who chose to not let old stories about the past offenses of other online dating dolts cloud what ultimately became a very healthy dialogue about proper dating conduct with, we'll call him brave, <laughs> a brave man who, in response, decided to elevate his approach to dating. Looks like the world of online dating won a very tiny victory that day. As part of the Is This All There Is? Midlife on We, you have stories that are likely keeping you stuck in a cycle of fuzziness, fear, frustration, or frenzy. Just remember the three secrets to navigating midlife transitions. First, we experience life disruptions every one to two years. And for every 10 of them, one will likely be a major event that on average lasts four to five years. So you're in good company. Second, we often listen more than we talk when the real gold is in talking to ourselves more than we listen to ourselves. And to talk by asking ourselves powerful questions like, what's one thing I could do today to move forward? Third, life transitions are a skill we can, in fact, master and do so with greater meaning and purpose. So if you're ready to tune in, turn off, and take on your midlife transition, 
then check out my course called Midlife Tune-Up Technique, available at shop.megankrause.com. I link to it in the show notes as well. By the end of it, you'll feel completely different about where you've been, where you are today, and where you're going. Thank you for tuning into Bullshift. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast and you want to create your own Bullshift, then you need to check out megankrause.com forward slash Bullshift. If you haven't already, subscribe to Bullshift on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember to connect with me on Instagram at Megan underscore Krause. Let's connect next week.